Hey friends, welcome to the official podcast of Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders. This podcast exists to ignite your kingdom purpose and equip you to reach your potential for a global harvest. Be sure to follow us on social media and share this podcast with your friends so they can be encouraged. On today's episode, Michelle Wyatt, a pastor's wife who serves her church in Oklahoma City, is joined by Julian Lickey, a certified master coach in leadership with 38 years of experience, to discuss leadership in the church today and offer practical ways you can increase your leadership knowledge and skills. Don't go anywhere. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad to have you here with us today, and I hope this podcast is a blessing to you. Before I get too far into uh, introducing my speaker today, or my guest, uh, I wanted to explain a little bit about who I am. My name is Michelle Wyatt. I'm a pastor's wife in Oklahoma City. Uh, This June will be 13 years that we planted Paseo Apostolic Church in the heart of Oklahoma City. Before that, we were youth pastoring for approximately 10 years. If you put that together, we have been in ministry together 23 years. And no, I certainly don't have all the answers, not even close. Also, I did not attend a Bible college. I am not a public speaker. I do not play any instruments, nor do I sing. But I'm here today to expose the lie that says you have to be gifted in one of these areas in order to be successful in Christian leadership. So let me introduce my friend. Um, The Lord has brought her into uh, our lives uh, in partner. She is partnered to help us lead our church forward. She, like me, also has not attended Bible college. She does not play an instrument or sing in church. However, she has her own set of skills that bring much to the table. Her name is Julian Lickey, and I believe her story will open your eyes regarding ministry, leadership, and personal development. I know it has for me. She is our church administrator. Uh, Julian, why don't you kick off by telling us a little bit about your personal leadership journey? Thank you. I guess my leadership journey started at around the age of 20. At that point, in every job and organization, except for the church that I was involved in, I was asked to take a leadership role or a management position within the first six months. This has led to 38 years of hands-on experience in multiple environments and with many leadership styles and personalities, as you can imagine. (laughs) But throughout this journey... I've been inspired by leaders who transformed others by developing their potential. The impact of those leaders was life-changing. But I also saw the destruction caused by toxic leadership habits, such as authoritarian or dictatorial styles. I saw lives destroyed, and I became determined to raise the bar in organizational leadership at that point. I even put on here that your mindset is to raise the bar in leadership capacity. And I believe you are doing a great job at that. Thank you. If someone was looking at your resume, they'd say, oh, she's got it all. It looks like she's just a leadership rock star all her life. 
but I'm sure there were issues or situations that put you on this path to get you where you are today. So I'd like to ask you what journey, what did your journey look like over time? About six and a half years ago, I decided to focus my attention on leadership training. At that time, I got my certification through the John Maxwell team as a certified leadership coach and trainer. That was the first time I was exposed to coaching, and it really resonated with me, and I chose to pursue that path. And what's ironic, maybe, is that in coaching others to step into their potential and go for their their dreams, I found the inspiration to resurrect a dream that I had that I thought had died, and that was to complete my degree. So I returned to OU and completed a degree in organizational leadership and uh, have completed a few other certifications since then. And do you mind if I ask what those certifications are and that you've achieved? Not at all. I started with my professional coach uh, certification through an ICF accredited organization and then went on to get my certified master coach certification. And right now I am finishing up the accreditation process for ICF, which is the International Coaching Federation. Coaching is an unregulated industry and the ICF is the gold standard in coaching. So that's my my reason for pursuing that accreditation. And uh, I'm working on a couple of other certifications right now, but I haven't completed those. So concerning church leadership, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that. What opportunities do you see for up-and-coming leaders? That will vary by church. While there are some needs that are the same throughout churches, you really need to take a look at your church and see what are the needs there? Where are the gaps? Improve your understanding of effective leadership principles Then be intentional with application. Learn how to bring out the best in others. I think we all understand that we are stepping into an unprecedented harvest. I encourage you to think outside the box. Explore innovative ways to reach others. Increase your biblical knowledge. This will help you in that that endeavor. You can take courses through Ministry Central. There are online courses available through Bible colleges. explore some of those opportunities. Yes, I agree. I know most of our Bible colleges do offer online training. Uh, Some of them are both on campus and online. I think that's a great way to further a a Christian education, along with Liberty University and some of the other ones out there. Uh, So what are some of the challenges you see facing both seasoned and new leaders? I know that seems to be a, a challenge nowadays. I see that seasoned leaders often find it challenging to embrace new or unconventional methods of ministry. For new leaders, they seem uncertain how to prepare and weak soft skills. I know you hear soft, the word soft skills a lot. Can you elaborate by what you mean by that? Soft skills are social and interpersonal skills or people skills, such as communication, leadership, emotional intelligence, which is huge, and conflict management and resolution. Now, my next question is more about your coaching. As a leadership coach, what is a common blind spot that you see with your clients? Lack of clarity and self-awareness. Another blind spot that I see is leadership habits that are more toxic, and they're unaware of this. 
a lot of times that happens through not intentionally, but it's all they've known or it's what they're used to. And just bringing that awareness of healthier leadership styles and principles that bring out the best in others, that help develop the leadership in others or their potential, is a, that's something I see often is okay. exploring that area. And I know we talked earlier about this, but how long have you been a leadership coach? Six years. Okay. And then I don't know if you can do this or not, but can you expand like on your clients? Are they uh, in-state, local? How, how do you how do you get them? And the, the, the demographics of my clients are about 45% pastors and ministry leaders across multiple denominations. And the other 55% are millennial entrepreneurs. Oh, wow. And that just happened organically. That's great. And are, do you only coach in state, or do you have some out of state? I have I have several out of state, okay. but I, I do coach in state as well. So, what are some leadership traits that you see our church are most efficient of in this generation? And I'm I might take this just a step further and say, you know, even in our churches, I see leaders who are reactive instead of proactive. I see deficiencies in empowering others and in delegation, or they dirty delegate. And this is typically from a fear of releasing control. A tremendous amount of church work is non-pastoral. If we can empower capable, trustworthy people to lead these areas, it can free up pastors and ministry leaders to focus on their ministries. And this can also reduce burnout. According to a 2013 uh, leadership journal poll of readers, 91% of pastors that were polled reported burnout. And then a study done by the Barna Group just last year showed 38% of pastors that were polled at that time were ready to quit. So if they will develop a leadership team to carry the load of support ministries, they can reduce their stress levels. You know, I thought about the parable of the talents as I was thinking about this podcast. It, I never really looked at the master in that before, but there are several lead, leadership lessons there that we can see from the master. To begin with, he gave each servant at the number of talents according to their ability. So he gave the first servant five talents the second servant two talents, and the third servant one talent. He did not cave to social pressure to distribute them evenly. If he had done that, you know, he had eight talents. He couldn't distribute them evenly. If he had given them each two talents, he would have had to keep two for himself, carrying that extra load that someone else could have done. And by giving the first servant two talents instead of five, he would have squelched his growth. Now, that second servant would have been just fine because he got two anyway. But if he had given the third servant two talents, he would have set him up to fail because it was beyond his ability. He wasn't manipulated by emotion or pressure to appear that he's being fair to everyone, but he did did the right thing even when it was hard. He, he didn't hand out participation trophies is what you're trying to say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes. And another thing is he's, he made sure he communicated his expectations. The servants all knew he was 
returning, and they knew he expected growth of some type. And then another thing that I noticed is that he left. He went off and did what he needed to do. He did not stay and micromanage, but he let each servant explore their options, use their potential and their creativity, and develop those talents how they saw fit. It's very good. I don't think that we spend enough time thinking about the master. We're always so busy talking about the servants, but that's very good. Very good. Uh, so what are some not-so-obvious ways people can serve and be involved in their local church? And I know we get that a lot, and we hear that a lot, even at next-gen conferences. Uh, people will say, what can I do? And so I don't know if you have something to share on that. Well, I love how you worded that question because you said not-so-obvious. And a lot of times that is exactly what it is. I think, you know, every church has their needs and opportunities but you have to look for them because a lot of times they aren't obvious. Right. Notice where there are gaps and be willing to fill the needs. We have, okay, our youngest ministry leader is 18, and she made a, a comment um, here a while back, and she said, I've learned that my problem is someone else's purpose. And what she means by this is, you know, sometimes we feel that, we have, we have something that we need to do, and it is just such a pain. For example, every time there is an event at the church, it is a hassle to set up all the tables and chairs. Well, we've developed a setup team now, and we have a ministry leader. In fact, this is our oldest ministry leader. He's 77. Our ministry leaders range in age from 18 to 77. It's, it's, yes. it's awesome. But that is his ministry. And he takes it seriously. That is a way that he serves and blesses the kingdom of God. Our different ministries, if they're having an event, they let him know how they want the table set up and the chairs, how many they need, and he and his team take care of it. Yeah. But before that got going really well, he came to me just frustrated, and he said, I'm not sure why I'm doing this. Nobody's bringing me their, their needs. They're just doing it themselves. Right. And then just in communicating better, we realized the other ministry leaders felt bad to ask him because it was such a hassle to them. They couldn't, um, you know, they they felt bad to give him that task. But that was his ministry. Right. And and on a side note, this is kind of funny story that you'll remember. Uh, shortly after starting the church, um, Rob was having to put together different spreadsheets and numbers and crunch numbers for North American missions and different people asking for different things and he hates anything like that <laughs> I say the word hate it's a strong word but he hates spreadsheets and excel and crunching these numbers and when he found out that that was something that you actually enjoyed uh, you enjoyed putting together organizational flow charts and things of such he gladly handed it to you but he had a hard time because he couldn't believe that as much as he would hate it someone else had a passion for it so you were <laughs> you were amazing. <laughs> you kind of oh, well, saved his day. <laughs> uh, that also brings to mind earlier you mentioned something about dirty delegating. Would you expand on that for people that don't know what that means? Sure. Okay. For example, 
if I asked you to do something, I gave you a responsibility or a project to do, and then you got busy doing that, using your creativity and your your giftedness and you're working on that, but I go and take care of it myself, or I ask someone else to do that, I have just dirty delegated. Because you took it back. How would that make you feel? Yeah, very inadequate. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so in your experience, what are some possible levels of engagement in a church? You're probably familiar with the Pareto principle that says 20% of the people do 80% 80 of of the work. work. Yes, (laughs) Yes. very. We have broken that growth barrier with intentional application of our leadership principles, which we embrace a combination of servant and transformational leadership principles. And we have 40% of our people that are doing, that are leading a ministry, actually leading ministries, and just over 95% that are serving, that are engaged in some form of ministry. And, you know, if you look at our organizational chart, as I mentioned earlier, the ages range from 18 to 77, and the gender ratio is about 50-50. So it does not matter Everybody has a place where they can serve. Right. And in fact, a few weeks ago, I received a request from a 10-year-old wanting to serve. And now she's a member of our guest ministry team. Oh, yes, yes. Doing a great job. Yes. So what are some gaps? Things like, do you need the floors mopped, et cetera? You know, things that maybe not everybody wants to do, but they have to be done. That's a great question, and that will vary by church. See what the needs are. That reminds me of uh, baptisms. Oh, yeah. When we would have baptisms, it was a little bit chaotic. A little bit. (laughs) And we developed the baptismal care team. We have a, a gentleman leading that team, and now when the pastor needs to baptize someone, he doesn't have to worry. Is there enough water in the tank? Is it warm? Who's going to mop up the water afterwards? Who's going to take home the towels and wash them? And the baptismal robes, do they get brought back? Yeah. What about when the towels wear out? You don't have to worry about replacing those. They take care of all of those things. That's their ministry. And this has given another person a place to learn leadership skills and to develop a team, a place for people to belong and serve and have meaningful meaningful ministry. And it really is true that the pulpit ministry is such a small percentage of what actually goes on in a church setting. And I think that there's an old school way of thinking that, you know, the, the pastor does it all, but empower the people. They It is their church too, and they need to make it their church. Okay, uh, I have so many questions I'd love to ask you. Um, What are some thoughts you have on how to improve communication skills? Active listening. That would be the most significant. Listen to understand. Consider different personality types and communication styles. People receive and process information differently. So be clear. Be sure you're you're not expecting people to read between the lines, but communicate clearly. Be objective. Be respectful. Realize that people can't read your mind. Your pastor can't read your mind. Your pastor's wife cannot read your mind. (laughs) Yes. 
Yes. And just to kind of add on, I'd put a side note here. Things like taking the true colors test to know your temperament and your personality type. And it helps you to work with others in the church because there's times that you're frustrated and you're like, I don't know why they do it that way. And then once you realize, okay, they're agreeing, they need the facts. They don't really care about the sob story or the details of the, of how you did it the way you did it. They just want the facts to find out what is it that you want them to do? That <laughs> so, is so true. <laughs> so understanding the people you're working with is great for communication as well. That is so true. So this is my second to last question. Uh, what are some ways to prepare uh, for church leadership for those who may not be going into preaching ministry? The most common issue I see across all denominations of churches is a need for more in-depth leadership training especially implementation of principles. I see personality clashes and low emotional intelligence, ineffective communication, and a need for conflict management and training. Learning or improving in any of these areas will help anyone to prepare for church leadership. So if you are interested in personality assessments, consider which one would be the most valuable for your church you can get certified in that, and you can do some training in that, that area. If you're interested at all in conflict management and resolution, mm. take some courses for that. Study up on that. That could be valuable in, in your church. Yeah. Another way to prepare is to develop your potential through specialized training. So look and see what is missing in your church. Where is a need? Maybe you need someone in media. You can take some courses in this. Maybe you need another pianist or a pianist. Take some lessons. Look at the needs and see what resonates with you. Pray about it. Take lessons. Take classes. You can get certifications in some of these areas and really add value to your church that way as well. So basically embrace a growth mindset. And just like in the parable of the talents, be proactive in developing your potential and and your skill sets. And instead of saying, I can't, ask yourself, how can I? Instead of asking, why don't I get to do this? Or why does someone else get to do that? Ask yourself, what can I learn from a person? And how can I use this experience to grow and better myself? And, you know, one thing to keep in mind is praying, reading the Bible, uh, get in, get a study Bible, get, get, a, get the, the translation that you can actually learn and glean from. And remember that your pastor, he loves you and he needs you. And God has put you in that place. Okay. Well, I said we were almost done and we are, <laughs> um, I do have this final question and it is, I know it's something that we both enjoy doing and that is reading, finding resources to better ourselves. So can you recommend uh, some resources for self-study, to for development, leadership, fill in the blank? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. There are many excellent resources out there. A good place to start is with Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by Travis Bradbury and Jean Greaves, The Art of Virtue-Based Transformational Leadership by Mark McCloskey and Jim Luzma, Servant Leadership by Robert Greenleaf, 
Seven Pillars of Servant Leadership by James Sipe and Don Frick. For Communication, there's How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And then there are a multitude of leadership resources out there, but I often start people with The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth by John Maxwell. And the reason for this is because it really deals with a lot of character concepts. And before I really want to develop someone into a leader, I want to make sure they have good, sound, godly character as their foundation. And, you know, after you've finished that book, move on to the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, also by Maxwell. And a lot of people find these two books to be easy to digest, if you will, because they are broken down into these laws. So I recommend taking one law at a time, you know, reflect on it for a week, start noticing it in your life or in your circumstances, look for ways where you can apply some of the concepts, and this really helps with application. And uh, if you haven't already, take some personality assessments. There are several free ones online. And lastly, pursue biblical knowledge. Again, Ministry Central online courses. And where there are fees involved, consider what you can invest in your growth. On a final note, for those who struggle with reading and application, I recommend going through these books with a small group of people who are wanting to accomplish the same thing, and that will help bring you accountability, and uh, it just helps to have that peer group. Just be sure you maintain mutual respect among your members to optimize the benefits from the experience. And as always, you know, reading your Bible and praying and staying close to the Lord. Well, thank you for joining me today, and I've I've thoroughly enjoyed this. It's a little hot in here, so I think it's probably time to end this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. God bless you, Next Gen Nation. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to follow this podcast and the NextGen social media to stay updated on the latest content. We pray this episode encouraged you, and we will see you on the next one.